1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Perkins, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, we are almost upon the season. Labor Day weekend is right around the corner, and we've got football. I, I put a ten days until football. We're, we're recording on Thursday night. Man, that feels close. Feeling excited. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. It feels like fall. It's crisp in the air this morning. I went outside, put a jacket on. It
2: was like in the 50s, could see my breath. I was like, okay, it's here. So, yeah, it's right around the corner. Uh, And there's this weird pause this year between uh, the end of the shortened preseason and the actual game. So there's like this two-week gap and it's uh, it's a bit odd. It's the calm before the storm. We all know it's coming. We got it we got a big taste of a bunch of preseason games happening. and then all of a sudden there's this lull. So everybody, I think, is just kind of wringing their hands waiting for it to happen. but it is absolutely coming.
1: Yeah, enjoy the holiday weekend while you have it because for the next 17, 18 weeks then the playoffs, uh it's going to be madness. So and then for you, and then it jumps right into the draft. I mean, I don't really know when you get to take a break, but uh we are all kind of, you know, taking a deep breath and getting ready to go here. We're very excited. Uh we have a little bit of a fun episode for you tonight. Uh it is a good and evil episode. So here's how we're going to do this. We are going to make the case for the 2021 Chicago Bears in the first half of this episode. If you are a glass half full person, and that is all that you care to hear about is good things about your Chicago Bears and how they can possibly be good, you will only want to listen to the first half of this episode. We're going to take a break. And when we come back from the break, we are going to flip it on its head and we are going to play the devil's advocate. We're going to play the evil side of this. And we are going to say why the Bears are not going to be good. They are not going to meet expectations this year. So if you are a glass half empty person and just hate joy in your life, and for some reason you cheer for a team but only want bad things, skip the first part of this episode and jump right to the bad stuff after the break. To do that, of course, we need drinks. What did you bring on tonight? well you talked about summer slipping away and it's true
2: the, the last days of summer are here but i happen to have just a few pacificos okay. left so fill it up with a little bacardi limon make yourself a diver down get these get these out of the inventory make space for all the fall and winter beers that are coming i've already seen pumpkin beers in the store wow. uh i know leaves are falling it's time but uh, clear out the old stuff out with the old and with the new so uh, i've got
1: a diver down what do you have Well, as you know, I like to bring on themed drinks when possible, and I am bringing on a bottle of Angel's Envy for the Good and Evil episode. This is not just Angel's Envy. The normal bourbon that's finished with port barrels, I believe, is what the normal one was, which I'm actually not that big a fan of. I brought that onto the show uh, probably about a year ago. Didn't like it. A couple of people said Ah, you got to get the rye. You got to get the rye. And so this, whoever told me that, that's what I did. I went out and I got the rye. So that's what I'm going to do tonight. Uh, my uncle says that he can't drink whiskey because he gets ornery and gets into fights. And so I think that the first one, the first one will be fine. And then we'll have the break. And then I'll drink the second one. And we'll be a little mean to the bears. That, that's what I figure. I I once knew a guy like that.
2: Um <laughs> Yeah, and it was rye specifically. That's what he would say. He said, ah, you know how I get when I get the rye in me. <laughs> so
1: maybe, well, this, he was, maybe he was. Really I use this. Here. This isn't a new. Um, I did try. We, we drank this once or twice. And it is, it is actually really fun. It's a fun bottle. Uh, it's a little bit harder to find than the normal uh, Angel's Envy. But this is actually finished in uh, Caribbean rum casks. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And so it it has a little bit of a, of a kind of a nice sweet taste to it. So it's it, it is gives a nice contrast with the with the rye. So
2: apparently we both have we both have rum tonight. So I've got a little Bacardi Limon. You've got rum, rum casks. I, I think we're well suited to kind of get into this half and half of how the Bears might excel and how they might
1: not. Yeah it it's it's an excellent excellent whiskey. <laughs> Just off the top. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the to the points that we want to make about how the Bears can exceed expectations, I just want to do a quick, we haven't talked in a while. I was at camp. Uh, Lester brought me along as his plus one. Very nice to hang out with Lester, Sam Householder, and, uh, and Lester's buddy, coaching buddy uh, from back in the day, Papa Scarbs, as he's known on Twitter. And that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun watching practice. I mean, the take that was the day that Akeem Hicks left practice, and we never really figured out what was going on there. That's still kind of a mystery. Um, but that, I was there for that day. Nagy was very upset with how the offense looked, called it a shit show. That was fun. Uh, uh, <laughs> the wide receivers coach, Mike Furry, he uh, said it was the most embarrassing day. He'd ever seen a football in his life. Uh, and that pretty much shows you tells you what the wide receivers did that day. But it was a really cool experience. If you guys didn't get a chance to go to House Hall this year, and it is within your abilities and means to do that in the future, try to get tickets. It is is pretty cool. It's nice to be at the headquarters. I would encourage you to do that. Uh, It's a lot of fun. One of the other things that's happened since we've last talked is Tevin Jenkins, who never found himself on the practice field uh, since camp started. He did have surgery. Expectation is probably he's going to spend a red shirt fresh you know freshman year Uh, we probably won't see him on the field it's going to be tough for him to come back from a surgery and get into game shape and get enough practice reps to feel comfortable getting out there you never know it could happen but I would not expect Tevin Jenkins to play Um, I don't really have a hot take in terms of like, Oh, that was, they should have figured the medicals out or anything like that. Sounds like this, this issue's new. Sounds like it's taken care of and he's going to make a full recovery. So best to Tevin Jenkins to have a good second season in the NFL.
2: Yeah, that's the hope. Uh, and he did have back problems last year. There's have never been super clear about whether it's been the same issue or a new issue. Um, And again, with COVID, it was extremely difficult to get the same level and type of medical information that the NFL is used to and has gotten in years past. There were certainly other teams that were concerned about Tevin Jenkins back, obviously some of them more than others. uh, But there were also teams that would have picked him uh, before everybody jumps on the Bears and says, why did you pick Well. He wouldn't have lasted much longer either way. He's one of those guys that, when healthy, is incredibly talented and wouldn't have slipped much farther. So it is a bummer that we don't get to see him. Uh, Same thing. Wish him a full recovery and hope that he gets healthy. That's the most important thing because, again, when healthy – very good football player, Tevin Jenkins. So uh, we're hoping we get to see that on the field for the bears. There was a little bit of uh, this week when Ryan Pace met with the Chicago press and said, "Uh, and I, I just can't stomach this comment. Uh, <laughs> roughly the same grade on Larry Boreham and Tevin Jenkins. That for you listening at home, just doesn't pass the smell test. Like Larry Boreham, Might be a fine tackle, might turn himself into an NFL player on the regular, could eventually maybe even be a starter, maybe, possibly, turn into, those are the words I used, Tevin Jenkins, if healthy, day one, NFL starter, saying that you consider those two guys in the same tier is just a bald-faced lie, and it doesn't serve anything, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make, in fact, it makes you sound stupid, right?
1: Yes, I, I. I mean, that was my point when it came out. It's what's the point of saying this? Do you like? Do you think that we are stupid? Do you think that we don't understand these things? Like, and what's the benefit? Are you trying to pump up Borm? You've already drafted him, and he's already getting reps. Like, he doesn't need any more bumping up in terms of that. Are you trying to? bump down tevin jenkins of course not right so like that doesn't make any sense but like you know what i said was if you truly believe that then you're an idiot for trading up for tevin jenkins because if you had a similar grade on us on what you considered a similar player let's take that comment at face value you had a similar grade on a similar player then you would have multiple players that you felt good about and you wouldn't feel like you had to trade up into getting tevin jenkins What's the point of the comment? It doesn't help anything. It's just a no win all the way around because it's
2: it's not true. And it, it tells us yet again that Ryan Pace has no concern for uh, telling the truth to fans of the press. He, he hasn't for a while now, uh, but he certainly doesn't. If he's going to try and pass that off and have everybody just nod and smile and go, oh, okay, Ryan. Like, no, nobody's going to buy that. And it just sort of puts him further down that road of, well, I don't have to listen to what he says because he has no interest in telling me anything that's meaningful. He's just going to say whatever he wants to say for unknown reasons. Like we we don't even see the motivation behind that. So uh, fascinating, fascinating comment, but uh, really not here or there. We just want Tevin Jenkins back healthy. He's had his surgery. We hope he heals correctly and quickly. And we also hope Larry Borum turns out to be good because,
1: hey, that would be nice. Uh, but we'll just kind of have to watch and see how that develops over the course of the year. I think Ryan Pace might have an audience of one and that's George McCaskey when he makes these comments. Cause I just don't understand who he thinks he's fooling. If he's thinks that we're going to buy this stuff, it's a, it's really bad. I don't know. It, it, I, I get frustrated with Ryan Pace, but w- that's not what this episode is about. So One last thing before we get into the good and evil stuff. Any roster cuts, roster surprises, anything that kind of was like, oh, wow, I thought he'd make it. Or, oh, that's interesting that we signed Brashad Perryman.
2: Yeah, there was a lot interesting about the roster cut down day in general around the NFL. But for the Bears especially, or particularly um, the cornerbacks, right, they were – They are weak at cornerback. We've talked repeatedly about this. We talked about the fact that if Kyle Fuller left, they were going to have to fill that void. Um, Bit of a surprise cut with Trufant being cut. Not terribly surprising, but definitely given, again, their depth, it was surprising. They left themselves with, like, four corners, they brought a couple back. That's just roster maneuvering in, in terms of getting guys outside of your 53 so that you can have spots for guys that you're eventually going to move to IR and then bringing them back. It's just a little bit of a shell game to shuffle guys around and make spots. Um, but I really figured that they would go uh, – I don't want to call it dumpster diving, because look, anybody that even makes it to a preseason NFL field is a very, very, very good football player. I figured they would go trolling around and see who they could get um, because they're not sporting a ton of depth, either outside or at the nickel spot. And they really didn't. They kind of held tight. And this is another thing that Ryan Pace does. Uh, If he has guys in the building that he's familiar with, that has a lot of cachet with Ryan Pace. Um, And you see it with guys like Artavis Pierce, right? Who's the running back who they cut and then brought back to the practice squad. Like there were some very good running backs available. They just got squeezed out in multiple running back rotations. Uh, They're still young. They don't have a ton of tread off their tires. Like there's a lot of guys that if the Bears wanted a developmental running back, especially even though the running back room is pretty good, they could have gone out and get. But they bring back Artavis Parish because he knows the system, right? And that has a lot of pull in Chicago these days. But they didn't go out and get other corners, which I was very surprised by. Paraman was, again, there's a lot of good wide receivers that were out there, typically younger guys who've had uh, certainly less injury issues. paraman's more of a name. Um, he had a decent season, finally. Finally got himself healthy and had a decent season. But he wouldn't have been my top claim off of the available wide receivers on cutdown day bears see something in him go grab him I, i'm not predicting a huge amount of success for him if he has even a modicum of success in chicago i think it would be a win um but i really expected them to go hard for corners and tackles and there wasn't much in the tackle market just to be clear um I went back and forth with a few people I know that watch offensive line even more closely than I do and said, man, if you had to get somebody, who would you go get? And it, it was pretty thin pickings. It's, it's developmental guys. It's really practice squad level guys. You're not going to pick any of those guys as starters, or at least uh, high level starters that you're counting on through the season. So I expected a little bit more activity where they were weak. Uh, they kept a lot of inside linebackers and not very many corners. Um, it uh, turns out Trevathan was injured, which we didn't really know about, or they're trying to get him some early season veteran rest on the short term IR. Either way, um, you know, makes the Ogletree ad look better. Um, I liked that ad when it happened, but it makes it look even better now that they've got a what looks to be a capable starter to to start beside Roquan for the beginning of the season. So some interesting stuff, but I just expected a little bit more activity,
1: and we didn't really see it. No, a little disappointed. Perriman, former first-round pick, is one of those guys that has tantalizing measurables and just really hasn't ever put it together. He's on his sixth team. He got cut by the Lions. The Lions have probably the worst wide receiver core in the league. So it's like when I see that, I'm like, what is going on? What do you see in this guy besides the fact that every GM and every coach sees a first-rounder and says, I can fix it? and You know, at some point, the guy's been on six teams in six years, you know, what can you really bring? But if, you know, if if he's the wide receiver five, he runs, you know, seven go routes a game, they throw the ball to him twice, like, you know, you know know what I mean? Like, you know, I don't really know what the actual, like, what is the actual role? He's not going to soak up 10 targets a game. So I I need to like, just kind of, okay, fine. I just really like the Rodney Adams story. I wanted that to happen. Um, And he's on the practice squad, but. You know, it, it was a good story. I was hoping he'd make the active.
2: Yeah, there were more guys out there, though. The two sort of deepest positions I make a list every year, and for the first time this year, I actually published it, um, of guys that I'm interested on cutdown day. You know, guys that didn't make the 53, but either had a good preseason or, or had a good season last year or just didn't fit with a new coaching staff. There's always potential for a bunch of reasons out of a lot of these guys. And the two deepest positions by far on my list this year were wide receiver and running back. There was a lot of talent. Like you could have picked a starting five for wide receivers. Now you wouldn't have had a true alpha and easily a three running back rotation out of that list of cast offs. And you could compete at those two position groups. Like you would have a really solid rotation in, in both rooms. Um, so there was a lot out there. Bears were uh, kind of buried in the waiver wire order. They were down a bit. They weren't right up near the top. Um, Jacksonville used, for instance, its you know top waiver wire order position to to grab you know, uh, a wide receiver that the Chargers probably tried to slip under everybody's radar. Jacksonville was like, no. And they, and Jacksonville cut a couple of promising wide receivers that ended up signing elsewhere. So a lot of depth in the wide receiver pool. And to go get a guy like Perriman, who's more project than production, uh, was an interesting move to me. But um, their Pro
1: Scouts saw something they liked and, and they signed him up. Well, we'll see how that works out. still rooting for Adams. So let's get into the good part. So this is where we are going to make the case. We are going to be optimistic. We're maybe even going to lean a little homer here because we are feeling good and we feel like this is how the Bears go over their expectation for the year. I've got three reasons. You can add on to these reasons as we go through them. But reason number one starts with the defensive coordinator, Sean Desai. Sean Desai re-establishes this Bears defense as an elite unit because he's going to bring modern concepts, he's going to bring good coaching, and he's going to bring a renewed focus on creating turnovers and limiting explosive plays, right? If he does this, the Bears can be a top-five defense with Kendall Vildor playing at a starter level and not being exposed on a weekly basis, and whatever's happening at nickel corner... Figuring that out by scheme. <laughs> and because Sean Desai is going to be creative play caller, he's going to put guys like Khalil Mack in one-on-one matchups to be able to get at the, pa- uh, at, at the passer. He's going to allow Eddie Jackson to play the Eddie Jackson role that we all know and love and want him to return to, to be an elite safety. And he's going to allow Jalen Johnson to spread his wings and become a true cornerback one. I like the Sean Desai focus.
2: I think he is incredibly smart, and I cannot wait to see what he does with the defense. Given the events of the roster cutdown that we just talked about, I'm really focusing on that defensive line. Defensive line is one of the few units that the Bears have right now that has legitimate NFL depth. Like they have a good rotation on the defensive line. And with Goldman back, Hicks still playing at a high level and able to free up Khalil Mack, I think back to the start of the Bears season two years ago when they looked like terrors for the first month and they just absolutely obliterated offenses. And it's because they had that rule of three up front. And right now they've got a rule of like four and a half if you add up all the guys they have that they can bring in waves. So I'm really looking forward to decide unlocking the pass rush specifically because the back end is not great you got jalen johnson who played really well last year and that's pretty much it at corner everything else is either unproven well everything else is unproven let's just leave it at that um eddie jackson look i i hope he has a great resurgence but gibson on the other side is is kind of a yeah he's their guy and and he'll hit most of his roles uh but It's really about that defensive line, and I don't feel like Pagano did as much of that as I hoped he would. Really get exotic up front, create pressure, put passers under stress, because when you put opposing offenses under stress, it creates opportunities, and it can cover up some holes in the back of your defense. And quite frankly, Sean Desai is going to have to do that if the Bears are going to be good.
1: Well, this is definitely the Brandon Staley effect, right? I mean, they are absolutely counting on Sean Desai to give the Bears defense a bump, and that's with... Incorporating some of those fangio schemes, but I think it's also bringing back an energy and bringing back a creativeness. No offense to Chuck Pagano, the guy had been in the league for 35 years, obviously a very good coach. He was a head coach at some point. I'm not like trying to say that his legacy is somehow tainted because of what he did with the Bears defense in the last couple of years, but he's at the end of his career. He didn't show a lot of creativeness, he never brought that created blitz mentality that I thought he might when he was in charge of the Baltimore defense never really did anything like that and so I think that the players respond to that young energy uh, I was listening to Robert Mays and and I and I believe Adam John's talk about uh, this Bears team in the defense the athletic writer and they're saying that they just really feed off of Desai's energy and that the fact that Desai, brought himself up from starting at the lowest rung and just kept grinding and working. And he's been there longer than any of these players have. And with that sort of mentality that he has earned every step along the way, these players really respect him. He's not a guy that's played in the NFL. And so if you don't play in the NFL, you have to kind of earn that respect by putting your players in a position to succeed and showing that you're willing to work hard and basically make them money because you're going to put them in a position to make plays and so I, I think that the players are buying into that and from from everything it sounds like the defense certainly looked pretty well coached at the one camp uh, day that I was there but they're also going against the Bears defense so or sorry going against the Bears offense so that may have made them just look a little better uh, but you know I, I do believe that Sean Desai could bring some of that bump that they're hoping he can I hope so, and I really do hope it's up
2: front because if you can create that rush, he's he's not going to be able to rely on long coverage. He's not going to get four and five seconds of tight coverage out of the players he has in the secondary. So he's going to need to bring some pressure. He's going to need to cause some uncertainty in opposing quarterbacks' minds, and you do that by hitting them, right? You do that by moving them off their spot, creating pressure, and hitting them. And if he can do that early and often – that's when a defense can be opportunistic. That's when mistakes get made and windows get smaller and balls get tipped. And maybe you start ending up with some of those. That's the kind of thing that can create momentum. Short of that, this defense can't afford to be on the field for long stretches.
1: It's not that good. All right. So this is this is the good part of the episode. So don't, don't go too negative on this part. So all right. Reason number keep two. Remi- keep reminding me. All right. Reason number two is that Justin Fields is going to add that something special. We've already seen it in the preseason. He has a ton of great experience playing for Ohio State. This is not a guy that doesn't have any like big game experience or anything like that. So it's not like the stage is going to be too big for him. Guy just is hes cool, calm, collected. I've been super impressed with how he's handled every step along the way. He's going to be a really interesting pro to watch. I really think he's got all the tools there. But... The rookie quarterback thing is a real thing like guys you know they they come in they're against all professionals now and the guys are going to struggle for the most part as rookies but sometimes you get those rookies that come in and they're just transcendent because they just have it all figured out if the bears are going to beat their uh, expectations this year that has to happen when justin fields takes over it has to be that he's not going to go through a ton of rookie growing pains. He's going to come in, hit the ground running, and be successful right out of the gate. In my opinion, I will, I'll, I've will. i been saying it from the start, and I am not moving off this. I believe his first start comes against Detroit at home in week four. It's the weakest game on the schedule. The Lions are going to be a mess. So you give him a soft landing. The next week, the Bears go to Las Vegas. They play the Raiders. Raiders have a below average defense. I'm not really that impressed with the Raiders roster right now. So you give him two games to establish himself against lower defenses. You avoid the Rams defense and you avoid the Browns defense, who I think are also going to be pretty good. Let Andy Dalton figure that out while the offensive line is gelling. Fields comes in week four and takes off. I'm with you on week four. We're uh, we're in
2: lockstep there. I think uh, I've said that and, I've gotten every response in the book to that. It's too late, it's too early, it won't happen. Like I, I'm with you. I I believe week four. And what interests me about Justin Fields or or what the again sticking with the why Chicago could be good because of this is because Fields brings a unique balance in terms of Bears quarterbacking. His balance between his ability to throw. And his ability to run at an extremely high level is going to make defenses mm, cover all the bases, right? They're going to have to cover the whole field when Fields is out there because he's got 4 4 speed. And we saw it in the preseason game when he took off. He just glided for about 20 25 yards, right? You cannot give up 20 25 yard chunks when you break coverage, break contain. Don't put the spy where he's supposed to be. Have him a couple steps out of place. If he, if opposing defenses do that, Justin Fields is going to make them pay dearly with his legs. This is not a five or six yard scramble that keeps the drive alive. This is going to be a chunk play that moves them down the field and puts them in threat distance. At the same time, if they hang back and say, oh, we're going to spy him for sure. And we're going to play a lot of mid zone. He can pick them apart with his arm. It's not that justin fields has a noodle arm far from it and as you said he's very cool collected he goes through his reads he's not scared or skittish in the pocket this at this point so he can really take whatever they give him and they're going to have to play it in the middle and a defense that can't commit to stopping one or the other like hey we're gonna get off the bus trying to stop the run we're bringing eight in the box if they do that he will find the open guy Same thing. If they drop eight and they're only rushing three and a lane opens up on one side, he's going to get 12, 15, 18, 20 yards. And look, if he dusts a guy, you know, he he stiff arms a nickelback, he could go, right? He's got that kind of speed. So he's going to keep defenses honest in a way that I don't really think any modern Shakur modern Chicago quarterback has done. You can say that Trubisky had the same level of physical skills. He was an excellent runner. He's very quick, but he didn't threaten with his arm in the same way consistently that I think Justin Fields will do very early in his pro career. So it's that balance between run and pass and his ability to take either and be calm doing it that's going to give the Bears that reason to be good.
1: I think it was that John's interview with with Robert Mays on the Athletic Pod where he actually mentioned that Trubisky was such an awkward runner when he got when he broke out of the pocket cuz he didn't know how to slide and it's a comment that I've made many times like he, he doesn't look natural to a lot of football stuff he like he didn't know how to slide. Uh, I think my favorite play now there were some really great throws in the preseason from Fields. So uh, this might sound crazy because this wasn't necessarily a great throw. But my favorite play that he had was he basically put pressure on the edge and he made the corner wrong. The corner stepped up to try to tackle him. And as soon as he committed, uh, the corner committed to trying to come up and, and take fields down for a short gain, running the ball fields, popped the ball over that corner. and it was like a 10 yard gain. And, he, he was calm. He was collected. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He wasn't going to be wrong. If that corner just went with the route, he was going to tuck and run. If the corner came up, which he did, he was going to pop it over. That's, I mean, that's vets level stuff. And I loved seeing that. I love seeing that he, you know, is continuing to find ways to, to, uh, put the ball downfield that obviously that amazing throw where he threaded it in the, the side of the end zone in the in the last preseason game. Incredible. Right. I mean, the, those God level throws as they're called like, yeah, this, this seems to be a guy that can do that for you, and hopefully he can continue to like refine that and, and have more of them per game, know when to try those throws, like that stuff that comes with being a savvy veteran over the next few years. But you know that he has that ability, and you know that he can think that way to try to go touchdown to check down. It's going to be really fun when he gets in the ballgame. Yeah, I hope that
2: we're right. I hope that it happens fairly early. Um We'll see, but it's it's one of those things. We'll talk about it in the second half of the show, what the, what the other side of that coin is in terms of balancing the quarterback issue. But um, lots of reasons that the Bears could be good behind Justin Fields because he brings a tremendous mix of skills and a real poise. He does not seem cowed by any of it. Not the bright lights, not the speed, not the idea that an entire city that has been absolutely starved for true football success thinks that he's the Messiah. Like that's a lot of pressure for a guy that's barely old enough to drink. Right? right. And he's like, nah, I'm built for it. I've been here. I'm ready. Like he has consistently said that. And it's not false bravado. You don't see his eyes flitting around while he's saying that. Like, like, a lot of quarterbacks, when they get to their new city, say that because that's the script. He's sort of living the script. It's it's in him, and
1: it's going to be really fun when it gets to come out on the football field. I'm so excited. All right, reason number three. So let's say that Sean Desai is able to make this defense lead again with his leadership, and let's say that we now have a guy that's going to come in and bring – competent fun quarterback play that's going to take this offense to at least a competent level it's going to allow Matt Nagy to learn from learn lessons from some of his mistakes of the past uh fingers crossed and you think about that 2018 team that was led by this elite defense and had an offense that had a lot of tricks up its sleeve early in the year kind of ran out of tricks very Andy Reid-esque early Andy Reid in that in that sense and The one thing that really was never good was the kicker. The Cody Parkey issue obviously reared its ugly head in the playoffs, and and the Bears went home, and we have the double doink for the rest of our lives. Cairo Santos is a good kicker. He was a good kicker before he came to Chicago. He got hurt. It took a long time for that injury to heal, and the Bears just kind of had him on the roster because Eddie Pinheiro didn't, you know, he wasn't coming back strong, but they were committed to Eddie Pinheiro, but we've got this Cairo Santos, you know, all of a sudden it's like, Cairo Santos man he's a real kicker and before you know it Cairo Santos solidified that job and got a big extension because Cairo Santos is a good kicker and so now you look at this from the perspective of if you can replicate some of the elements in 2018 and you have an improvement on the quarterback position if, if just if fields can come in and make an uh, um, impact early now your special teams particularly your kicking unit is going to be much better than it was in 2018. You hope that Matt Nagy has learned lessons. He's maybe got better people around him. This team with those improvements could be an improvement on that exciting 2018 squad.
2: Yeah, that's the hope. And it's I I really think it's about balance on this team. And we talked about how the defense can be good. We've talked about the fact that Justin Fields could bring a spark to the offense. I really think that third piece of special teams and not just the kicking game, you're absolutely right about Cairo Santos, by the way, bears have two kickers on their roster. One on the practice squad. He looked good. He looked really good in the preseason. And they said, Hey, it's COVID. Like you never know what could happen. We're, we're going to stash a kicker. We know what happens if you don't have a kicker Um, as opposed to some other teams, which, you know, fired all the kickers and said, forget it. So we'll see how that works out but it's about not just the kicking game but special teams in general if this team can find some balance and it doesn't have to be balance on every week because it's not going to be no no one of these three units is going to be rock solid 17 weeks this year there there are going to be up games for the defense there's going to be down games same for the offense the worst case scenario is when both of those happen on the same week and the offense scores six points and the defense gets gashed for 40 like, like that's not great but when you have those close games and the defense is playing well and the offense is playing okay if that third phase of special teams can come in and they can get a couple of returns, they can get a little bit of field position, they can get a spark on a punt return that puts them with a short field to score or pick up another field goal, that's when the team starts to win. It's when all three kind of balance out and make up for whichever of the three are not having a great week. You know, Maybe Cairo Santos misses a couple, but the offense is humming, the defense is doing all right, and they just win with touchdowns that week. The next week, maybe the offense stumbles a little bit, but we see Sean Desai bring pressure, they get a couple turnovers, and Cairo Santos is golden and they win by 3 because he kicked three field goals, right? It's it's balance and it's really it's that other part of special teams. I want to see kicking maintained because Cairo Santos was a treasure last year. Not worrying about a Bears kicker is a very Odd sensation probably hasn't happened since the Edinger slash you know Gould days. I was gonna say it's gotta be Robbie Gould, you know, he, yeah, he, Robbie Gould for sure. But it's been a while, let's put it that way. It's been an up and down roller coaster ride. And just I, I remember turning to our buddy Will, uh, mid season, I was watching games with Will robinson and I was like, man, it's the last time you like worried when Kyra Santos came on the field. He's like, I haven't in weeks. And I was like, doesn't that feel weird? He was like, yeah, it feels really weird. But it was great. Came out, kicked a field goal, went through. Wow, this is what other teams are like. Cool. Uh, so it's about balance between those three units. And the special teams, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, they did claim a guy that had the return duties for the Rams. Last year, uh, I reached out to a Rams reporter and said, Hey, what do you what do you think about this guy? And she said, I actually like him. I, I don't think he's ever really gonna develop as a frontline wide receiver, but I think he's a fun returner and he can give you a spark. So I liked him when he was here last year. Um, yeah. Uh so again, maybe it's Demir Bird returning kicks. Uh, you know, somebody that's gonna give them a little bit of spark because they haven't really had that in the return game uh consistently I know your Cordell Patterson I was going to
1: say man don't come after
2: Cordell Patterson I am not coming after Cordell Patterson but uh you know in the punt return game not so much kick return game with Cordell Patterson sure um again it, Cohen
1: when Cohen went down they missed they missed his I
2: agree his and he's going to be out for he's the first the part court. of this season right. uh as well so maybe one of these guys steps up and gives them a little bit of field position and when you have a balanced team that's enough they don't have to take it all the way to the house If they do great sure that's a free score but it's really about hey that you know he ran it out to the 45 yard line let's let's take a shot with the first play and see if we get in so uh balance is really how i think chicago could be good this year
1: I can't imagine they're going to put Tariq Cohen back on a punt return this year, coming back from an injury anyway. So I think that they needed to make those moves and they I think they decided that Daz Newsom wasn't quite ready uh, to, to make the active roster because he uh, was cut and re-signed on the practice squad. So that was uh, the guy that we thought maybe they had addressed that with at the, the draft, but that's okay. We'll, we'll give Daz some time to, to develop and hopefully he contributes here soon. So, Alright, so that's the positive. That's the glass half full. That's the angels side of all of this. Uh, before we take a uh, quick break, want to remind you guys about Thrive Fantasy. Again, cool concept. Uh, It's daily fantasy where you build your lineup, but it's with different prop bets, player prop bets. They give you a a pool of 20, and then you uh, pick the 10 that you like. You pick either side. So, you know, I think that Josh Allen is going to uh, throw for more than 312.5 yards today. Uh, That's one that I pick, right? And you go through and you pick the ones you want to pick. They have different Points associated with them, and you compete against the pool of people. Uh, if you obviously do well, you win money. Um, promotion going on right now for us. If you put in at least hundred bucks, they will give you a hundred dollar deposit match if you type in the code beers, which is the best possible promo code that you can ever ask for. So, uh, beers is the promo code. It's thrive fantasy. Get in there, get some free money. Put $20 in on the first week if you are so compelled to want to do something like that and win first place, win $20,000, give us a little cutback. Not much, you know, but just a little bit for letting you know about Thrive Fantasy and and how great of an opportunity this is to, you know, help us make money. Really, this is all that's about is you winning a lot of money and kicking a little bit back to us.
2: Yeah, free beers with the code beers, right? So you win twenty grand, you buy us a couple of beers for the season. Everybody wins.
1: Absolutely. All right, we'll be right back after this quick break.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference.
1: we're going to go on the devil's side of this. So if you've ever been to a distillery, they talk about the angel's share, right? So that's what like this is referring to. The angel's envy uh, is referring to... The angels didn't get this. They didn't get this liquid. But the evaporation of the whiskey is the angel's share. That's that's what the angels are taking out. Um, The Devil's Cut. Do you remember this bourbon that came out a few years ago? I think it was – I think it might have been Jim Beam or something like that. Um, And it was called the Devil's Cut. And I think they, like, I don't know, extracted the whiskey that got into the oak staves – and and put that into a bottle. I assume like maybe like a little bit of it and then mixed it with regular Jim Beam or something. <laughs> you assume. I, I love could, that can't part. imagine <laughs> it was like all like they just oh. grinded out a bunch of like uh stave oh. juice and called it. Anyway, they called it the Devil's Cut, which is something that I had <laughs> I hadn't heard until they marketed it, but maybe that's a thing. Um that's where we're at now. We're going to kind of take the We're on know, the dark side of the equation. The part that's maybe not going to be as fun for people, but I think you and I are both on the same page. We have a lot of worries about this team. We would love to just be positive. That's not really what we are. We're pretty realistic. We try to play both sides. We have a ton of question marks about this squad, and it starts up front. This offensive line probably was not going to be all that good if Tevin Jenkins was playing, but it's hard to imagine that it's going to be anything close to good without him. Cody White here is your only reliable piece along this offensive line. He's a guy that has been reliable for a few years. We know that he can play good football, and we believe that he is in the best possible position for him to excel. Like, at left guard, this looks like his spot, that he's going to be the best possible pro. You're not tr- pretending that he can be a center anymore. I, I, people are, don't come at me on that. He's just not as good. A, he's not a natural center. He's a guard playing center. Get him back to guard. Okay, good. He's in the right spot after that you've got james daniels who of course i like and i have to defend because he's a hawkeye but he's been hurt he's now playing another new position he has played center he has played left guard now he's at right guard he's trying to learn that he hasn't necessarily looked very comfortable there yet you have an undrafted free agent and sam Mustafer, who we have talked about as being a guy that still needs to like come a long ways to be a reliable starter at center he hasn't looked that way in the preseason yet You have Jermaine Effetti, who has been hurt for most of the preseason. He's now just getting back into the swing of things. He's penciled in at right tackle. He played okay at times last year, not exactly a frontline starter. And now you've got Jason Peters, who is my age, and I had to stretch out for 20 minutes just to be able to get through a day at at work at an office. Uh, So, you know, I can't imagine what his body's telling him at, at, at 39, but Jason Peters, who's probably like a borderline Hall of Fame player. I think Jason Peters is a fantastic professional football player. Um, He is going to be counted on to play left tackle for this team. And so that's your starting line. There is a lot of question marks in there. The only real place where you don't have a worry or a question mark is left guard and Cody Whitehair. Yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, this is
2: not a friendly topic and, and honestly, writing the first half of the show was tougher after the last couple of weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago, might've might've kept that flame of optimism alive a little bit easier, but it it's, it's very hard to overlook the secondary. It is extremely hard to overlook the offensive line. Uh, it's, it's cobbled together. There isn't another way to say that you've got an undrafted undrafted free agent starting and center you got a guy you plucked out of a river he was literally fishing <laughs> when he got the call to say oh so left tackle isn't working out the way we thought it would we drafted a guy but he got hurt and then another guy he was a right tackle in college we moved to the left we really don't want to like put our quarterbacks either of our quarterbacks health at risk could you um come do the thing you do and jason peterson all right he looked remarkably good for yeah. a guy that was fishing two weeks ago. Dude's He's, just built different. He is built different. He it is innate, but he is 39. And the idea that you're probably going to get 17 quality starts out of him is is not likely. And you look at what's left, and this is the sort of you know, pebble in the pond, butterfly effect, whatever you want to talk about. When we were frankly blindsided by cutting Charles Leno. Because we had in our mind, hey, this is actually gonna be a pretty good line. Charles Leno, average left tackle, average as it gets, but not terrible. Not great, average. You're gonna have white hair, you're gonna have Mustafer or somebody else they get at center. We weren't sure about that before the draft, but Mustafer's decent. Maybe they'll upgrade, maybe they'll get somebody else. You're gonna have James Daniel guard, and then you're gonna have Tevin freaking Jenkins after the draft holy cow, this looks like a much better line than certainly what the Bears rolled out last year. And then they move Leno. yeah. And then they move Jenkins and say he's going from right to left. And then he doesn't get on the practice field. And then the whole line gets hurt early in camp. And some of those lineups were a horror show for if you had to play a game, the classic, if you had to play a game this week, they were starting guys that were like, third stringers in three spots like that line is going to get you demolished like you're you have almost zero chance of victory in the nfl with that line so it's gotten a little bit better with the addition of peters like at least a veteran presence that knows what he's doing and looks pretty good james daniels coming back towards health not really sure about Mustafer. he looks a little bit better against power um you know, he certainly has more experience. He says all the right things. I'm rooting for Sam Mustafer. He, he is a guy that is easy to root for. But that doesn't mean much when you're getting run over uh, by guys that are, you know, 320-pound behemoths come week three. Like, you got to do your job. So I'm not saying you won't, but I'm not saying I'm absolutely sure he's going to either. So this line is paper thin, and any injury – For any amount of time, I'm talking about somebody gets turf toe and is out two or three weeks. They can't afford it. They don't have any depth that isn't second slash third string. And uh, outside of some miracle sort of Ascension story, you know, Larry Borm comes in and he's the second coming and he locks down the right tackle spot for the next decade. I mean, that's a nice Hallmark movie, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. So the line which is the core of your team sets your ability to run protects your quarterbacks from getting turned into a pink mist like is not in a great spot and it doesn't it doesn't engender a lot of confidence
1: no it really doesn't and i think your top backup is probably alex bars and you know i mean he's looked okay at times right i mean it, it is tough to find silver lining in this line we've talked about it a lot and when you cut a guy, you know, I, I'm kind of sick of defending Charles Leno. I'm sure you are, too. I, I'm, I've am i never thought that he was a top-flight left tackle, but he was available. He was reliable to be on the field, which is incredibly important. And he was average. And you want to say that maybe he was below average last year? Fine. Brandon Thorne, who is like the offensive line guru uh, who you have talked to personally on Bootleg Football, Yeah, Olin Crute said, "Hey Brandon, what did you have Charles Leno ranked last year?" And he's like, "16 to 20, somewhere in that range is left tackle. That's in the average range, man. Like 16 would be the dead even average, and he's saying he's somewhere around that 16 to 20 range. That is a that is a tier that just says screams average. That's who he is. He's he's flawed." he's not perfect but he was reliable and he was pretty decent you cut that guy and now you had better be right on all these other things and you you weren't because of injuries and that the injuries happen you know it's the nfl it's football it's it's tough these guys get hurt and so now you're left with an incredibly thin line and you have to go out and sign a 39 year old left tackle same thing happened with that secondary we talked about like yikes like you cut Kyle Fuller who's your best player in that secondary and now everybody has to slide up one position and now you're short probably two uh two players in that secondary to make that a solid unit so you know these moves really have caught up to Ryan Pace at this point you know he had a ton of rope when he started he had a ton of cap space and you know he could rebuild this in his image and now he's borrowing a future time and even even then he's still not able to make it work.
2: Yeah, there's there's some rough spots about this roster. We'll actually talk about it when we get to reason three, that there's just a, a schism in this roster that it, it doesn't match up. Like, you can say that your theory is X, but if your roster is Y, the two are not going to meet in the middle. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, we both balked when Leno got moved. We both balked when Fuller left town we'll just say left town because we don't want to get into it again we we were like okay what does that leave we thought those were actually going to be fairly solid positions uh in the offensive line maybe even kind of a position of strength based on the draft you know in the secondary it was more just holding over talent um you know, returning talent, returning the same starters, that has uh that has some real benefit, guys that know how to play together and know what to expect from each other. And you just kind of carved that out of the heart of both units with two very important players and said, We'll make it work. And they haven't. That's the thing. If you're gonna do that, then you go combing the waiver wire on cutdown day and you bring in three corners and you find the best and you put one of them in the lineup on the fifty three and maybe you release the other one and see if you can't sign into the practice squad you 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 get active you get creative and they've kind of just nope don't need any cards we're good we're just going to we're just going to stand pat with the hand we have and from the outside looking in which we are let's be honest we're not sure where that's
1: going yeah it's scary so let's move on to reason number 2 now reason number 2 the realistic view more realistic view or maybe pessimistic view, is that the ceiling for Andy Dalton, the quarterback play, Andy Dalton, whatever number of games he plays, and Justin Fields is average. That's probably a somewhat realistic expectation for a ceiling, is that they can get up to average. Dalton has never been a top five quarterback or anything like that in his life. When Dalton was playing really well for the Bengals, I would say that he was probably somewhere around that, 12 range maybe 15 right he's kind of a league average quarterback but you could win with that because they had a really good team surrounding there in cincinnati generally rookie quarterbacks coming in you know they're going to have some issues they're going to have some flaws they're going to get exposed you don't normally see a rookie come in and jump in right away with professionals to be a top 10 quarterback so the likelihood of a top quarterback play is pretty remote and so Because you don't have a good offensive line in front of you, because you don't necessarily have like a ton of playmakers. I know we're all really excited about seeing what Allen Robinson and year two of Darnell Mooney looks like, but you don't have like a ton of playmakers that you're super excited about that can maybe take over here. Because this is an offensive league, you know, this offense is just not going to be that good given the circumstances of Andy Dalton handing off to a rookie quarterback.
2: Yeah, I think they can be decent. I think the weapons are good. The offensive line and these these sort of reasons that Chicago could be bad tend to stack, right? The offensive line then impacts your ability to run. Their running back room looks really good, which it didn't last year. Like yeah. They have good, solid depth in the running back room. They're, they're not going to see a lot of benefit from that because there's not going to be a lot of holes in front of those guys. So that, again, puts more pressure on your quarterback to make bigger throws in key spots. Andy Dalton, I would argue, is at the borderline of top 10 quarterback in those years. Again, with Bill Lazor in Cincinnati, when he was rolling for the first half of that season, you know he was not MVP level by any stretch, but he was playing, I would say, top third status quarterback in the NFL he's not that guy anymore and this offense isn't that offense either right so now you've got quarterback play that's trying to make up for holes in the offensive line Andy Dalton's not that guy he's not going to make up for holes and David Montgomery can bring all the speed he wants to if there's no place to go because the line's collapsing into his lap when he gets the handoff he's not going to be able to show that and I think Montgomery is a very good player so these. These sort of liabilities stack together. And look, Justin Fields could be the second coming. He could break every rookie quarterbacking record there is that Justin Herbert set last year, still not go 500. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally possible. Right. Um, so the idea that either one of those guys is going to elevate the play of the Bears to nine wins, 10 wins is. Sort of the thing where everything's it's going to have to be the perfect storm of good happenstance, right? Everything's going to happen to have to happen together. They're going to have to get every break in the book. And that, as you said, it's pro football injuries happen. Things happen. It's unlikely that they're all going to happen at the same time on the good side. And other than that, the quarterback that is in-house for right now, not in the future, we're not talking about Justin Fields down the road, talking about Justin Fields as a rookie, is not enough to overcome that.
1: Well, and you're getting to the third point here, which is that this roster is thin. And we've seen it exposed. We just talked about it with the offensive line. You get an injury, you got you cut Leno, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, and it just falls apart because you do not have starting caliber players. Same thing happens in the secondary where you cut Kyle Fuller. Now you're counting on whatever behind him with, you know, the signings that you made, I I guess it's going to be Kendall Vildor with Artie Burns, you know, playing that outside number two corner. Right. But that it's pretty scary. Like those guys aren't proven, you know, particularly even Burns who has played, uh, you know, plenty of starts in the NFL. He's not, you know, he proved to be not good enough in in Pittsburgh. And so any kind of other injury that's not to say running back with David Montgomery uh, and probably along the defensive line, they could probably uh, absorb an injury or two there. Uh, other than that, <laughs> I mean, this roster is super thin. And why that happens is because of how Ryan Pace has managed his draft picks and has managed to you know go out and spend a lot of money on particular players, say like Jimmy Graham, Robert Quinn, guys like that, older veterans and not focus on building depth on the team. That also shows up in special teams. When you don't have a very deep roster, generally like you're not playing that well on special teams because you don't have these guys that are so talented that they actually could be on the field getting defensive snaps or whatever on a lot of these other teams. They got to play all special teams. So they're a core special teamer. I just don't see that on the Bears. I I think that they're just super thin. I'm worried about their team's unit. It's great that they got returner that they feel like maybe can plug in and, and, and can fill that Cordell Patterson role, can cover for Tariq Cohen because I don't think he's going to be returning punts this year. But I'm not sure he's going to have blocking in front of him. I'm not sure how well the Bears are going to be able to cover Pat Donald's punts. I'm not sure how well they're going to be able to cover kicks. Like I just don't know that this roster is – good enough from a depth standpoint to be good on special teams. And if they fail in the third phase, then they're not going to be very competitive on a week to week basis because they're not good enough on the other ends to make up for it. Yeah. You're not wrong. The roster is incredibly thin. This
2: is where we're going to get into talking about that schism that I talked about where the sort of vision doesn't match up to the actual construction. And, you know, there are ways to get around that, but, the bears handicapped themselves because again, they have a bias for familiarity guys like Deandre Houston, Carson, who is a great special teamer is not a great safety is a good locker room guy by all accounts. Right. But he's not going to put you over the edge in, in any way. And the way to get around that is to, instead of getting a guy like Deandre Houston, Carson and have him taking a roster spot, Nothing against him as a player. He's carved out a very nice NFL career for himself, especially considering his outlook coming out. But if he's not going to be on the field for starter snaps, you're really looking for fire breathers on special teams, right? So you give up a little bit of starter's ability or or experience for a guy that is big, fast, and mean, right? And you say, look, you're, you're our fourth safety. We hope you never hit the field as a safety because you don't know what you're doing there yet, but your job is to go blow people up on teams, right? And you get a handful of those guys, you get three or four guys, maybe a fourth running back, maybe a, a fifth tight end, uh, you know, again, a fourth safety or fifth corner, fifth or sixth corner, right? And you get handful of those guys, and they are height, weight, speed guys, and they are aggressive. Hopefully they have teams experience from college. And those guys are out there. The The waiver cuts from the 53 cutdown are full of guys like that. There's a safety from LSU that you know could eventually become a great dimebacker. He'll be re-signed to the practice squad of the team he got cut by. But you go grab that guy and you say, guess what? You're going to start for us you're going to start on special teams you are a four-phase special teamer because you are 225 pounds you run like a 447 and you are mean right like cool you know do we want you covering travis kelsey 20 yards down the field we really don't because that's not your gig but the bears aren't willing to gamble on that ability for teams they want that hey well deioner houston carson can hold it down as a safety and he's a pretty good special teamer which he is that's a true statement but that balance is shorting you the ability to excel cause some cause some havoc on special teams so ryan pace is kind of made this team right and and typically you would think okay you got justin fields it's really about surrounding him with young talent and building a core he hasn't the bears are one of the oldest teams in the nfl they have surrounded him with old talent who is at the end of their rope and is very expensive so he doesn't have a ton of cap he doesn't have a ton of young players or developing players who are guys that are like, you know, you look at what the Jets have done, right? The Jets are in sort of rebuild mode and they're they're grabbing young players left and right. Tons of undrafted free agents came into camp. They had a thick draft. They know they're probably not going to win their division this year. They're almost sure that Robert Sala would never admit it, but absolutely that's their thing. They are building, they're trying to find those guys, make a core, and then bring in selected pieces of talent and build up around Zach Wilson. Same thing, rookie quarterback. The Bears are in this weird spot where they have Justin Fields now, but they have all these high-priced, older, veteran contracts and a bunch of guys in the middle. They don't have any flexibility. They don't have any financial flexibility. They have very little roster flexibility in terms of you can't really cut Robert Quinn this year, whether or not you think he's going to participate Danny Trevathan same thing if you think Danny Trevathan's going to be your third linebacker hey normally you would cut him if he had that contract but it's not possible you're going to take a bath on his contract so they've built this roster that's sort of betwixt and between and really can't win in either way and it's going to be a while to dig out from underneath that you might be in year three of the Justin Fields experience before you get that cap flexibility you know, and, and some young guys in the barn, but again, Ryan Pace is going to have to draft differently, right? He's going to have to not trade up. He's going to have to trade down and get extra picks. He's going to have to go digging through the UDFA bin even, even more than the staff currently does. He's going to have to go digging through the cuts bin even more than the staff currently does. So they have these habits that are almost like they're an established veteran team. That's bringing in just a few pieces to their already well-oiled mix but they don't have a well-oiled mix. So you end up with this weird spot. And the real danger here is Nagy could lose this roster really quickly because the team knows, right? Players know, you know, you're a former player, you know, right? You know, the guy that gives you the best chance to win. And everybody in that Chicago locker room right now knows that Justin Fields gives them the best chance to win. And if Nagy denies that, for a long time he goes past our week four estimate people are going to start to turn people are going to say what are you doing like i'm out here busting my ass every week landing on the line and you're keeping the guy that could give us the best chance to win under wraps what are you doing and it could go sideways a lot faster than people think
1: yeah, if the calendar turns to October and Justin Fields is not named starter, I'll be very surprised, but I also think that you're right. There's probably a really good chance that this team kind of turns on Nagy, but I and you know, there's been a lot of talk about well, maybe this means that Nagy isn't really on the hot seat. Yeah, no kidding. We've been trying to say that for a while. Like this may be a sign if you survived last year, you know, this this might be a sign that these guys are feeling pretty comfortable with their role in, in Hallis Hall. And the thing that scares me a little bit is that Ryan Pace comes from the New Orleans system. New Orleans had Drew Brees that they signed off a free agency. He had shoulder issues. That's why he left the Chargers. You know, famously the Dolphins. He wanted to go to Miami. The Dolphins doctor said, nope, not taking a chance on that shoulder. So he signs in New Orleans. And he's there forever. Well, that front office kept turning like, well, we're just going to push future money, future money, future picks. That's fine because we got a chance because we got Drew Brees and we're just going to keep taking this chance. We got Sean Payton. We got the guys. So we're just going to keep taking this chance. We're going to keep grinding this roster. And the Saints, you know, they had an amazing draft a couple years ago. And so they, they, they actually do still have a pretty talented roster. But Ryan Pace comes from that system. Ryan Pace grew up. In the Saints system. And from the get-go, he has kind of acted like he was running the Saints. And I just, at no point did he have Drew Brees under center. And so I just don't know that his philosophy has ever made that much sense in Chicago. But he needs to take stock and understand that this roster needs to get young. The only team that is older than Chicago last I said, I think they were 31st in in age or second in age, whichever way you want to look at it. The only team that was older was the Buccaneers. And when you count Tom Brady, who's like, I don't know, 58 this year or something like that, like that pulls up the average. So like, I mean, and it was barely, it was like 0.01, something like that uh, older. So they are a really old team and that that's trouble. You've got a young quarterback. You've got a guy that you can you have the cheap quarterback window. And so the next co- the first the next conversation is this is all about Justin Fields. The 2021 to me is all about Justin Fields. Get him on the field at some point when you feel comfortable getting him on the field. I think it's week 4. If it's earlier than that, great. If it's later than that, I have issues. It's all about how he looks. It's all about, you know, does he look like he's a real guy we think he's going to be? then the next question is how do you take advantage of that rookie contract because at some point if Justin Fields is what we think he's going to be he's going to be very expensive and then you can't necessarily build around him like you would otherwise the Bears are not in a great position to create new contracts around a rookie quarterback and they're not in a position to add a bunch of young talent draft picks to build the way that you saying the Jets are building like they're in no man's land. They're, they're in a weird mediocrity type arena, and that's kind of scary to potentially blow what it could be um, a, a really great first few years of a rookie contract for, for Justin Fields. So those are a lot of the conversations that we are going to have over the coming months, over maybe even the coming years. Um, you know, in my opinion, Ryan Pace is not the right guy to take this team through that rebuild or to take this through the the reorganization of this squad. But those are probably conversations for another time. You know what my fantasy is for Ryan Pace? Please, please.
2: You take Ryan Pace and you say picks four through whatever we have, right? Four down, round four down are yours. <laughs> like, that's your whole job. Mm-hmm. because he's amazing there. He's got a good hit rate on that. He's
1: amazing. Like he is well above if Travis other GMs. Gibson plays out like he's had that preseason. It's just going to add to Brian Pace's. Yeah, I, no, he he's already amazing and if yeah. Gibson
2: plays out it's it's just more fuel to the fire. I swear to god, this is your strength, Brian Pace, like you this is your gift. More so than almost any other GM in the and league. And
1: beautiful hair.
2: Well, yeah. Great none of us of none of us can compete with the hair game. And quite frankly, his sunglass game is pretty good too, but that's not why we're here. Anyways, four through whatever we have, and there's two rules. You get all those picks and you can't trade up. <laughs> you can you can stay where you're at, but you can't trade up right? You get four through seven and you can't trade up. You don't get to sign free agents. You certainly don't get to negotiate contracts and one through three off limits. We, we bring in another GM for one through three free agency, overall team construction, but Ryan, you just sit in the room with the scouts because that's where you came from. You have a scouting background and you are, I mean, exemplary in those rounds, four, five, six, seven, like you absolutely find talent there every single year and that can stock a team just don't trade away all the picks by doubling up to move up a few spots and don't sign free agents like Quinn to huge top heavy deals or re-sign Danny Trevathan at the tail end of what has been a very productive career this is not anti-Trevathan it's not even anti-Robert Quinn I hope he's really good but his contract is an Albatross either way. So you get four through seven. You can't trade up and hands off the free agency money. And you continue to be a star for years. You just you got to take your hand off the top wheel because you have put the team in a place that is really hard to see a clear and
1: straightforward path out of. I mean, I'm willing to pitch it to him. but <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't think he'll buy it considering he's top spot and he has job security, which we know people back to the job security thing. People are like, oh, they might have 2022 assured. I'm like, might? Yeah. Acting like this? It's not might. There's no way you make the majority of those decisions. And look, the McCaskey family craves stability. Yeah,
1: they want to be the Steelers.
2: Yeah, they want that. 20-year front office they want that so bad and it's to their detriment at this point because they've overlooked some really heinous decisions that are coming home to roost now the back to the good and evil theme it could all hit right the bears could go on a run here improbably the bears could go on a run and everybody's going to look at us and say see see we told you great we're bears fans we'd love that (laughs) absolutely we told you not to listen to the second half of the episode if you didn't want to that would be awesome right is it what we expect it's not but it would still be super cool we win that way but the way the winds are blowing at alice hall we don't see that right now because the odds are largely stacked against it not just in one way or two ways but three or four ways roster construction o-line quarterback management you could throw a couple others in there of sort of iffy sort of, I'll take the under sort of bets. So do we hope the bears lose? No, no, that's not our gig. We, <laughs> that's, that's not where we're at. We, uh, you know, JB especially is extremely unhappy when the bears don't win. Um not sure it's totally healthy, but it is, oh, it's, no. it's hereditary. says,
1: you know, stop watching these games.
2: <laughs> it's, it's hereditary. So he doesn't have much choice, sure, sure. but, they could go on a run like it could all come together. The dominoes could fall and the bears could go on a run. That would be the good part. The evil part is
1: eh, you haven't really made that the most probable outcome with a lot of your decisions. All right. So we've talked about, you know, on one shoulder, we've got the good guy on the other shoulder. You've got the bad guy. 2021 Chicago bears finish with what record? Oh, uh, I'm gonna go right down the middle and say nine wins. Oh, wow. Okay, so you're going over the 500 mark. I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a little pessimistic. I'm gonna say they win eight. I think they go eight and nine. So we're on the same page. That's a bounce. That's a bounce here or there. That's I an agree. that's an
2: E-jax interception return so for touchdown
1: difference. We evened ourselves out and we are in the middle. One says nine and eight, one says eight and nine. So uh, that was a fun episode. I hope that somebody took us up on it and only listened to one half of it Uh, (laughs) because that's funny. Uh, We're going to be getting back to uh, normal programming here. Like this is, you know, hitting the mark of us. I'm going to, I'm going to produce this tomorrow morning and get this out on Friday. Uh, But from now on, we're going to have Friday mornings. This is going to hit. Uh, We're going to do, we're going to be focusing on previewing games. The Windy City lineup is going to be um, quite expansive this year. I'm going to be on a different show, uh, reviewing games. I'm, We've, we're calling it Bear and Balanced. Uh, we need Will Robinson to draw up an awesome logo for us of a. I'm, I'm thinking a bear doing a yoga pose on top of a football. I'm just just spitballing here. Will, you're the artist, uh, but but that's what I have in my head. Uh, so we'll make that happen. So Lester and I will be doing game reviews on Bear and Balance. Really excited about being able to talk to the boss man every week. Um, and we're gonna be hitting this. Like this is really kicking off every week coming to you and so we're really excited i love this whiskey this is a great whiskey i don't know if you've seen this it's a little spendy uh yeah i think it i mean it might be up in like the 75 dollar range which is pretty you know pricey for a rye i do really like it though it's a nice little treat it's definitely drinkable on its own i don't think you'd want to mix it with anything um i'm sure it would be great in cocktails but i think it's it's really just good on its own so if you're making cocktails with that you're doing all right i i don't mind people people say oh you can't do that you got to drink it straight you know what you do you you want to drink a a a cocktail with great ingredients well you go right on ahead i think it's good enough certainly good enough more than good enough to drink on its own but you want to put it in a cocktail be my guest. i'm i'm not going to tell people how to
2: take their coffee Cook their steaks or drink their whiskey. You got enough money to buy coffee, steaks, and whiskey. You do it however you want. That's Absolutely. those those are my rules. So diver downs are amazing. It's a closeout to summer. Uh, it's a taste that just strangely doesn't taste as good to me in the depth of winter. I, I want a a maltier, more caramely, you know, winter ale, Oktoberfest, all that good stuff. Dunkelbison. Like, that's all great cold-weather beers. I don't want to drink that stuff in the summer. Diver Downs, summertime, yeah, but summertime's coming to an end. The good part about that is those of us that like fall, it's awesome, and it means football. We're going to have football for a lot of weeks in a row. It's going to be awesome. And we have a tremendous guest. JB uh, basically said that we're going to be focusing on previewing. We've got the week one game against the Rams coming up, and we have what I think is probably the ideal guest for that coming up. Um, Could not be happier to kick off the season with a really strong start. So, yes, that's a teaser. We're going to make you wait. Uh, But until then, um, enjoy this episode. Uh, Drink up whatever summer beers you have in your fridge. Make some room for those those good winter warmers that are coming, and they're down.